When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am going to be taking your questions, but this time that you submitted ahead of time, forgive me, because of travel. We're not able to record this one live, but nonetheless, here we go. First question is from Kendra Border. Hey Tom, I'm currently in the process of making changes in my life, and something I've realized is a part of me refuses to let go of limiting beliefs. Why do we care more about being right than being happy? I don't know that we do care about being right more than we care about being happy, but I think when you're not thoughtful about the thoughts that enter your mind, it is a passive thing to want to be right. It's a passive thing to want to be happy, but there's not anything that kicks off mechanistically in your mind that pushes you down the path of being happy. But since you're in these constant interactions where maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, maybe your idea wins, maybe it doesn't, that makes it feel like there's something that's constantly being kicked up in your mind about wanting to be right. But the reality is just our life situation is like that. So we're gonna be in situations where we have to go to work. At work, we have a job that we're supposed to do. It collides with other people's jobs. You have a family. They have ideas that they wanna see put forth. So you're just constantly in a world where other people's ideas are colliding with yours. So that creates a lot of momentum for that instance in your brain to pop forward and say, hey, I really want my idea to win. I really want to feel good, smart, right, good, all of that stuff. And because of that, it creates this um, dis-ease in yourself because you haven't done the work, the very active work of getting out of that passive cycle and saying, okay, what I really want, my long-term goal is hopefully a deep sense of fulfillment and not just a sense of being momentarily happy Um, because part of the problem is that being right will bring happiness. And that is part of the conundrum where this really gets confusing. And I think that we have to acknowledge that being right feels Awesome. And this is where people get themselves into trouble because you become addicted to that. And then given your environment, you're constantly running into opportunities to be right. So that dopamine desire to be right, to get that feeling of happiness is there constantly dripping at you. And so in that moment, you just fight for it to be right, to get that release of dopamine. Yeah, I won. I'm smart. I'm good. I'm worthy. All those things that you're going to feel momentarily happy about. So you have to do the hard work of switching it over to making the thing that gives you that, um, A, the dopamine release of anticipation, and then B, I really have to find out what the neurochemical is, probably serotonin, that you get when you're actually um, getting the thing that you wanted. So if you can switch that over to learning something new, 
um, to acknowledge that, whoa, I was willing to look at my inadequacies. I was willing to accept that I wasn't right. I was willing to admit publicly that I was wrong, that somebody else has a better answer. When that cycle gets the dopamine release, you're actually looking for those moments to learn something. You're looking for those moments to realize that you were wrong. And then to then be empowered by that new information that becomes available because you lower your ego and all of that. If you can get that cycle going, then you'll find actually the opposite, which is that you're always looking for opportunities to learn something new, that that's this ever-present self-reinforcing cycle. And that's a huge part of the growth mindset. And it's why I say one of the most important things you will ever do is switch what you build your self-esteem around from being right, being good, being worthy, these permanent states over to being the learner and always being willing to admit when you're wrong. If you make that switch, then suddenly the mechanisms of a growth mindset become much easier. Next question. Dogmara Eva. In his book, Principles, Ray Dalio makes a distinction between goal-oriented thinkers versus task-oriented thinkers. In your experience, is it possible to switch and train yourself to become a goal-oriented thinker from a task-oriented one? What steps would you need uh, what steps would need to be taken for that? Okay, so absolutely 100% it is possible. I know because this is exactly what I did in my own life. I very much used to be task-oriented. Uh, I have lovingly said that what my parents imbued me with was a slave mentality. Keep my head down, do as little work as possible, and avoid punishment at all costs. That's how I thought about things, certainly how I thought about school, it's how I thought about a job, uh, it's how I thought about most of the relationships in my life. It was about avoiding conflict, it was um, not about having strong core beliefs, it was really um, getting by, getting through life, like trying to um, you know, get through the week so that you can enjoy yourself on the weekend and love your family. And don't get me wrong, they had really amazing intentions and they wanted me to enjoy my life, but there were just things that they saw as inalienable. There were, you just couldn't change them. And so that put me in, um, just thinking about whatever was right before me. So, oh, I need to get an A. Okay. You know, this is what I'll do to get my A. And, the grades is a perfect example because the real goal should have been learning. It should have been knowledge. It should have been me going, hey, the system doesn't actually really get me the things that I want. And so pushing back against that and trying to figure out what I need to do to actually educate myself. But I didn't do that because the task before me was get an A. That's just what you did in my family. You got good grades. And so cheating was a perfectly reasonable solution to that. Now, when I went to college, I realized, wait a second, this is supposedly the thing that I love most. I was studying film. So uh, if I really love this, then why would I cheat? If I'm going to try to get a career out of this, again, why would I cheat? And if I'm taking on massive amounts of college debt to learn about this, why would I cheat? It doesn't make sense. And so in that, I switched from that task-oriented mindset to really thinking bigger about my goals. There were things in life that I wanted to achieve, that I wanted to accomplish, and I had to then reverse engineer what I needed to do to get there. And so when you look at that, so another great example, I use the word instead of task and goal, I use the words path and goal. So I think about a path as being totally irrelevant and you could switch paths, give up on a path, totally abandon a path and never lose sight of what your goal is. So my goal now is to pull people out of the matrix. And by that, I mean to give them an empowering mindset that will allow them to actually go out and do the work that they need to do to get a skill set that's going to let them execute against whatever they want. But it's my role in all of this is to give them that core set of beliefs that's going to allow them to not get in their own way, to realize that they can do and learn anything that they set their mind to. Okay, so that's my goal. Now I have a path, and my path right now is narrative. So it's putting out um, 
comic books, movies, TV shows. That's what I think is the ultimate end goal. And I don't confuse that with the social content, which I believe is preaching to the choir. It's people that already um, are on that path, which is, that's all the hard work, right? Making that, um, flipping that switch and really wanting to go down that path so I can give very direct instructions like this. Um, but ultimately, to do at scale what I want to do, I have to go down that path, I think. But I may be wrong about that. And if I end up being wrong about that, then I'll jettison that path and do whatever is um, most effective. Um, so I'll tell you one thing right now that I'm constantly checking whether it's working or not is um, as far as a path versus the goal. So Jeffrey Canada has said, basically, uh, give up on adults. That's your past the age of imprint, your past where it's really easy to massively influence somebody. Um, and so better to go after kids. Maybe he's right, maybe he's not. Look him up, super interesting dude. Somebody I really wanna get on the show. Um, I don't know, he might be right, but emotionally, I just really don't want that to be true. Um, so I am going down the path of first adults and then kids. And, and we've already got some projects that we're beginning to incubate that are aimed at kids. But so anyway, that's, that's the difference. You absolutely can train yourself to do that. And it really boils down to having a goal. And I think this is where most people fall down. They don't actually have a goal. And so doing the tasks before you become very easy. And this is actually one of the things that drives me crazy about um, my wife who spends a lot of time cleaning. Now, cleaning is a task, and I get that it gives her a momentary sense of happiness, but it's this never-ending cycle of you're gonna have to clean again, 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 again. And so making that a priority in your life as if it were a goal, to me, is to misunderstand the difference between a task and a goal. So um, it's, it's about what do you want, what do you want most, what's worth fighting for, what's worth dying for. Like Once you've got that in your mind, then you can begin to switch yourself out of task-oriented thinking, and this really comes down to write it down. This is my goal in terms of the very concrete steps you want. Write it down. This is my goal. What are the steps that you need in order to reach your goal? Those are your tasks. As you're doing your tasks, you have to be asking, are they actually serving my goal or not, yes or no? Um, and if they're not, jettison them immediately. Stop doing a task midstream if it's not serving your goal once you realize that. Once you get good at that process of identifying whether or not it's actually taking you towards your goal and break that weird emotional relationship people have with tasks, the desire to check things off a list, um, the desire to um, you know, get things done and feel that uh, micro level of productivity. And, and I get that and that is powerful when it's serving your goal, but everything has to come back to that and you've gotta be ruthless about whether or not it's actually serving your goal. Okay, next up, Cody Dalkey. Could you explore what it's like to lose passion for something you were once passionate for and how you come to terms with choosing a new passion over an old one? Think about whether or not I've actually ever lost passion. I've definitely redirected my focus and over time that flame then burns out. So, um, wow, it's, it's really not my experience that it happens quite like that. So here is how I actually have experienced the world. So passions are created, they are not innate. It's not something that's born within you. Um, I've walked people through how I developed my passion for film before. I've walked people how I developed my passion um, for the body and helping people with nutrition. Um, so I won't belabor that point now, but just 
know that it is something that you create. It starts with an area of interest. You engage with that interest. It either gets more interesting to you, which I'll call a fascination, or it doesn't. If it doesn't move on to something else, find another area of interest, engage with it, and see if it grows in interest. And the easiest way to understand that is as you engage with it, as you spend more time with it, is it giving you more energy than it takes? So if it gives you more energy and you feel alive and you look forward to it and you want to do it, that's a very good sign that this is something that's leading towards a real fascination. Now, in the book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, Cal Newport really differentiates between the classical view of a passion, which is like, I was born with it and I'm on fire and it's just naturally amazing. And what I think is actually a passion, which is the act of gaining mastery takes a deep fascination and turns it into a passion. But I think like love is a reciprocal relationship and you're not actually in love if there's no reciprocity. I don't think you actually have a passion unless you're gaining mastery in it and you're able to alter the world in some way through that, whether it's a musical creation, whether it's becoming an incredible teacher and you know that you're impacting people's lives, whatever it is, your skill set actually allows you to serve other people. And that emotional resonance of going, wow, I worked really hard for this skill set. I am actually good at this thing. And being good at this thing actually allows me to manifest that in some way that is tangible in the real world. So for instance, I've spent a lot of time a lot of time learning how to communicate. And learning how to communicate not only helped me build businesses, but it's also helped me build this amazing community. And every time someone stops me when they see me, which by the way, I love, so if you ever see me out and about, come up and say hello, that's incredibly meaningful to me. And when people tell me that the content has somehow impacted their lives, it's made them uh, start down a path of really gaining mastery or changing their mindset or whatever it is that it's impacted them in some way, that for me is when I realized, whoa, like this skill set, which I have worked inordinately hard to get good at, it actually has real world implications. Like right now, it is all too easy for me to get lost and to feel like this is just me staring into the dead eye of a camera lens. But what I work really hard on is thinking about the person on the other side of that lens. And that's the juice. That to me is a real passion. So when you've taken the time to build that up, even though over time you may begin to focus on something else and that may begin to diminish, I find that the things that survived that it started as an interest, I engaged with it, it became a fascination. I went down the path of actually gaining mastery. It embeds itself so deeply that it may go dormant, but it's like those flowers that rebloom um, every spring, right? And do anything, I forget what those are called, uh, but you don't do anything. There's a bulb, a seed that lies underground, and every year, like clockwork, it springs back up, and then it dies um, in the fall, but then it springs back up in the spring. It's really pretty incredible, and I think that's what passion is like, not interest, passion. Once you've taken the time, that, that thing is there, and so I went on almost 15 years of not feeding into my passion for um, movie, TV shows. I used to watch seven films a week. That's harder than it sounds. To watch an entire film every day, day after day, month after month is really, really difficult. And in doing that, it, it like was just all consuming in my life. And it was beautiful and one of the most amazing things in my life. And then I went through this desert of becoming an entrepreneur and really developing a skill set. And in that time, I didn't watch movies uh, much. I won't say that I never did, but if I was doing seven a week, I dropped down to like maybe less than 
half of a movie a week. Um, so I mean, it's just dramatic, dramatic reduction. Same thing with reading. I wasn't reading any nonfiction whatsoever. Then I started reading um, nonfiction, or sorry, fiction. I wasn't reading fiction. Um, and I started reading fiction once a year, and that was like a big spender for me. Um, but now as I've turned back to it, because it actually makes sense again with my goals, it, it bloomed back into life the moment the sun of my attention was upon it. So um, in that, I feel like probably what you're talking about may not have been a passion. It may have been either an area of interest or um, a fascination. And so that's my gut instinct. And so I would follow that all the way through. And if you've got something in your life that's robbing you of the passion for something, then I would stop that thing. So let's just take a job. I think the fastest way to hate your life is to hate your job. I think the fastest way to lose sight of what made you love your passion in the beginning um, could go away with a bad job, but I don't think that a job doing something for a living necessarily makes it worse. In fact, I will say I am more passionate about storytelling now than I have ever been in my entire life because it feeds into my goals. So even though it's my job, it's my day-to-day -day thing, I'm so goal-oriented and I so love that process that um, it, it's so amazing to me to have tied something that I have so much love and passion for with actually solving business problems and holding myself accountable to revenue and supporting a team and all of that. All right, so I could keep going about this, but I will stop. Liam O'Donnell, is it possible to fully grow into your potential, achieve your huge goals, and continue on that journey of the mind whilst, he used whilst, which I respect, while still enjoying getting drunk and partying? I didn't see that coming. Uh, or are they completely mutually exclusive? So here's what I think about that. I am a big believer that if you're going all out, you are grinding it out, you leave it on the field. Motherfuckers, I'm telling you right now, Monday through Friday, if I am awake, I am working or working out, period. In fact, now, these days, I read while I'm working out, which I never did before, and we could do a whole episode on how I've made that finally work. Um, but that process... One requires that you love what you're doing. So let me just make that abundantly clear. I love what I'm reading about. I love what we're trying to build. All of it, just amazing. It gives me more energy than it takes away. Now, once you have that, the really wanting to actuate your potential and going after it every day and knowing, I'm going to bed now because I have left it all out on the field. And I'm telling you, there are times during the day where I'm like, let me just look at Reddit for like five minutes. So I just, like for five minutes, I can't do it. It's so embedded in me to want to be the person that I say out loud to actually be internally that that's when I go and I start looking at Instagram, replying to comments, doing research, whatever. So doing that, Playing that hard every day leads me to when I want to stop and go shake my ass, even if it's a random Tuesday, I'll go do that because I know how hard I've played every day. I know how much I'm willing to bleed for my goals. So this is not about uh, emotional austerity. This is not about grinding yourself into, into the dirt. First of all, it's doing something you love so that as you're grinding and going that hard, it's something that you just want to do. Then, on the other side, because you're going that hard, that you just don't have the guilt that most people have when you take time off and relax and chill. So when I'm working, I am all the way in. And when I'm relaxing, I'm all the way in. So I think this comes down to um, how much you're doing of one than the other. And I think if you're asking the question, you know you're not giving it your all towards building your um, 
your dreams and making them come true. And I would say focus there, figure out why not, why are you not putting all of your time and energy into that? And then also remembering that there's no moral obligation to live your life like that at full tilt, going all out. And that is absolutely fine to have balance in your life. I'm not the balanced guy. So my advice is never going to sound like it's going to achieve balance because it absolutely will not. Um, but there's no right way to live your life. So there is only a way that provides deep fulfillment. And I think just neurochemically, that's what humans are wired to desire and to love and to sit in and live with. And I get a deep sense of fulfillment from going so hard to build a skill set that serves other people. So if you find that that's a conflict in your life, just be honest with yourself about which you prefer. There is not a right answer. Johanna James Lynn. In my experience, it's not until you have this sudden, this is it, I'm serious now moment that everything clicks into place and the thing you were struggling with becomes easy. Can you manufacture one of these moments? How do you get yourself to that point or do you just have to hope and wait for one to come along? You absolutely do not hope and wait. Oh God, this is why I'm so anti-fucking patience. Like, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Patience is not a thing. Okay, now. That doesn't mean that you don't play the long game. You need to play the long game, whatever it is that you want. But patience to me is a synonym to relaxing, to waiting, to letting it happen, to thinking all things happen for a reason, which is all horseshit. You've got to go all out every day to build your skill set, to make something happen. That, that is truly the only way. Now, the great news is what you're asking is there is a process to that. You're going to go all out for it. You're going to try to make it happen. And it is the classic process of creating a passion in your life. You start with an interest. You engage with it. It turns into a fascination. You spend time there going hard. You decide, do I want to keep going? Do I want to actually gain mastery? If you decide yes, then you go down the path of actually gaining mastery. And that is how you create a passion in your life. That's how you create the, actually, that's totally different though from the moment that you were talking about, which is the, this is it moment, I'm going to take it seriously. And that to me comes from one of two things, either taking the time to cultivate your want and turn it into a burning need. That's huge. And I think most people don't take the time to do that. There's a huge reward for you at the end. If you do that, if you want to achieve big things, um, I've spent a lot of time doing that. Um, right now around comic books. So comic books to me have always been something that I've liked. I've collected comic books for a very long time, but I've never considered myself a nerd. So I like when I hear some of the people and how deep they can go on like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the comic lore around it and, you know, going back to like storylines from the 60s and 70s, like that's some next level shit. And I've never been that deep into it. But now because we're publishing comics, I really want to get that deep into what makes all that work? What is that mindset about? Why do people like all this sort of fractal um, patterns that you can go down of learning like all these like minute things all around the central storylines and in pouring myself into that and really looking that and in trying to fan those flames in my own life about things um, having to do with sort of collecting the greater universe and I use that word because as I'm speaking out loud, I realize that's the part in me that triggers. Like I love collecting. I love having the physical thing. I love like this is related to that and understanding how it's all interconnected. And so feeding into that and really turning it into something, uh, just a couple of days ago, I had that first moment of like where I was legitimately neurochemically rewarded for discovering some obscure fact. And I thought, cool, that's what I've been trying to build into this. So that was me taking a want, which I really enjoy all of the universe of comics, but turning it into a need, right? I need this for what I'm doing to fan those flames to really make me like hungry for that knowledge. And I think that will serve me well. 
The other is, and this has happened in my life as well, to get so fucking fed up and disappointed with yourself that you just won't tolerate it anymore. So hitting rock bottom is also incredibly powerful. And that happened to me right after I got married and I realized I was a lazy fuck and I was doing absolutely nothing with my life. And I had promised this woman who was now my wife that I was going to make her rich, that I was going to build an incredible life for us. And I wasn't doing that. And I was doing things that were only going to exacerbate the problem, make us even poorer. And yeah, that just, I was not going to allow that to happen. And I was disgusted with myself Welcome to advanced class. If you can leverage that instead of being controlled by it, it can be very powerful. And I'll just give you a really simple way to deal with that. If you're spending more than 20% of your time being disappointed in yourself, thinking negative shit about yourself, um, you are fucked. So don't do that. But that 20% can be very powerful. It can be the exact kick in the ass you need to get back into the 80%, to get moving, to do things, to look at the beautiful things that you want to create, to look at how you're winning and doing things that are worthy and amazing and all of that. So 80-20 is the nice, simple way. But those are the two things, rock bottom emotionally or turning a want into a burning, crushing need. Oscar Zamora. I'm 32 years old and recently discovered that I want to dedicate my life to making it in the movie industry. Word. However, I feel too old to start studying. Oh. I've been working as a PA, but I want to be closer to the cameras as DOP. Do you think it's too late for me to start studying or should I continue on my current path? Let me tell you something right the fuck now. First of all, you're 32. You were so young, it's spastic. So let's be really clear. But let's answer the hard question. And let's say that you were 62 years old. And is it too late for you? I will say this. The thing that you should be pursuing all out in your life, whatever that's going to be, should be something that gives you more energy than it takes. So that the process, the act in and of itself is interesting and fascinating. Here's what I find. When people start down these paths, in fact, I'm about to give you probably the most powerful entrepreneurial advice, greatness achieving advice I am ever going to give you. You're going to ignore it, as most people do, because it's very hard to get your mind around that it's really this fucking simple. But it's this simple. Get rid of patience. Stop having the patience to let things unfold naturally. Now, if you want to get ahead, it's going to take an obscene amount of time. I am not saying that my message is you can make it happen overnight. You absolutely fucking can't. But let me tell you right now, even if you're giving yourself 10 years to become a DOP, a director of photography, if you're going to give yourself 10 years to accomplish that, I promise you the only way it's going to happen is if you're saying to yourself in every moment, you're going to bifurcate your mind. And I want people to understand you will never win at the highest level until you can hold two competing ideas in your head. And here are the two ideas. Idea number one, this is going to take me 10 years. Idea number two, I'm going to make it fucking happen today. And I'm going to ask myself every day, why didn't it happen today? What thing did I not do? What skill set am I missing? What am I going to have to do? And I'm telling you right now, that has been the secret to my success. I was so desperate to make things happen right now that I'm always looking for what's the next massive leap forward, that it is not okay for me to plan on it taking 10 years because secretly I know it's going to, but it's going to take 10 years and only actually going to happen for me if I'm going all out every day like it has to happen right now. 
Now, to make matters even more confusing, nobody likes a bull in a china shop. So while you're holding yourself internally to that, that it's gotta happen today, what's the next quantum leap forward? How do I circumvent this system? How do I not just like grind it out going straight forward? That you don't ever let anyone feel that you're gonna bowl them over, that you're gonna break their system, that you come in, you're looking for ways to circumvent the system, you're looking for ways to jump the queue, you're looking for that next quantum leap forward, and yet, people wanna be around you. Because when push comes to shove, you never step on a neck. You're always encouraging other people to rise up. You'll always stop and take the time to build that relationship, thinking only in the long term. Because guys, that's the only way it actually happens. So I'm doing all of that stuff. I go slow when I need to go slow, because it's the only way to actually go fast. If you're a dick, if you're like dismissing people because you're like, oh, they're not gonna help me do it today, then they won't be there six years down the road because you didn't make a friend before you needed it, you didn't plant a seed, and this convoluted mess that is these two conflicting ideas is the only path forward. So to recap, you're young, if it's giving you more energy than it takes, it doesn't matter if you're young because in the moment, you're gonna enjoy the process. You're actually going to have fun. It's going to make you feel more alive. And then you must hold the two competing ideas in your head. This is gonna take a really fucking long time. And I absolutely refuse for it to take a long time. And the reason that you do that, it gets you thinking totally differently. If you're, every day you're thinking about 10% incremental improvement, it's just never gonna go anywhere. If every day you're forcing yourself to think, I need to tenfold this, then all of a sudden you think radically differently. And in that process, through a lot of failure, you'll finally hit on something that actually does let you go forward that fast. That's the secret. And if I could explain it really well, I like to think that it would be this major breakthrough for people, but I don't explain this very well. But it is maybe not the most powerful thing any human needs to learn, but it's certainly the most powerful thing any entrepreneur needs to learn. That's just the fucking truth. All right, Shannon Yukum. I, Yukub? Yukub. I am in the process of leaving medical school to pursue my dream of being a travel videographer. I grew up in an environment where every single one of my family, my friends and family finished school to work in traditional safe jobs. As excited as I am, I'm equally terrified to go down this path and can feel the self-doubt already. How can I maneuver through this? All right, we just did an interview with an incredible man named Kevin Kelly. It's gonna be coming out by three or four weeks. The honest answer is watch this guy's um, episode of Impact Theory, it, it is unbelievable. So first of all, he ends up becoming one of the most influential people in technology, is successful by every measure you can imagine. He's the founder of Wired Magazine, just an incredible, incredible human being. But he dropped out of college in the 60s to go wander Asia, which was just coming out of the ancient times, to be a photographer. And he said, I just didn't overvalue success. Like that was his thing. I loved photography. I wanted to go find myself. And he has this concept of don't try to optimize. Oh, wow, we're really way later than expected. Uh, I thought that alarm won't go off. Uh, he, he, oh God, what does he call it? Premature optimization. Don't fall for premature optimization. You really need to go find your voice. And that means stumbling around. It means goofing off. It means having fun. It means experiencing a lot of stuff. It means trying and failing. Like, don't try to prematurely optimize. All right, guys, I got to peace out. 
I got to go jump on a flight. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Always amazing. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. Uh, and oh, by the way, today's episode is brought to you by The Do Shirt. If you haven't already, hit shop.impacttheory.com. Self-signal your way to success. All right, guys. Until next time, be legendary. Take care. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.